Um, good evening, everyone, and um, I welcome you all to this um, session uh, where we'll be discussing on the topic what do Africans need aid of foreign trade. My name is Abdullah Tijani, and um, I'm a co founder of Ugali um, Center Nigeria. And uh, our mission is to promote pro liberty ideas, pro freedom ideas that will make individuals flourish. Such ideas like individual liberty, free markets, and uh, limited government. So it's, I'm very glad and it's a pleasure to be among Batarians alike tonight. Um, like I said, I'll be welcoming um, from different parts of Africa, and they'll be discussing on the topic what do Africans need aid on foreign trade. Before I introduce um, our panelists, I would like to tell us you know, to, to, to say something about the significance of this topic. For several years, African, African countries have depended on foreign aid. And, you know, this aid, over the years, some argue that it has not, uh, it has not given results, expected results. And uh, economists argue that this foreign aid are, are not what Africa truly need. But uh, in other arguments, it was argued that it's not the foreign aid that is truly bad or that is inherently bad, but mismanagement of the foreign aid. So those that argue for and against the foreign aid do have a point, but we need to uh, look beyond that and uh, see what and discuss what Africa training is and that's why we're here today and we have brought amazing and interesting panelists to discuss that and to argue for and against foreign aid. The first panelist is um, Patricia Abuya from Kenya. I don't know if I pronounce this name correctly. No, you've not, but it's fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you correct me so that I will... Uh, Actually, I was just joking. That's my name, Patricia Buya. <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. Patricia Buya, you're welcome to this program. Also, I welcome in thank Benjamin you. Ginana from South Sudan. Benjamin, if you are here, can you please say hi? Okay, since Benjamin, Benjamin is here to join Okay, the third panelist I've been introducing is Ellen Rodney from Uganda. Hello everyone, this is Elam Rodney. I'm not from Uganda, but from Uganda. Thank you. Uganda, Uganda. All right, all right. Thank you. You're welcome, Ellen. Then I've been introducing Moin Victor from Uganda. Um, uh, hello everyone, uh, my name is Victor, Victor Mwine. I am a Pan-Africanist, a Patriot, uh, and a Ugandan, a true Ugandan at heart. Thank you. Okay, thank you, and I welcome you all to this program. And uh, yeah, we will dwell into the topic right away, and uh, that will be to you know, introduce, just to hear from our panelists, one by one, 
what they really think Africans need. I have a couple of questions to ask our panelists, but you know, just a brief introduction on and uh, to understand their arguments and their, you know, what they uh, their conviction whether or not they believe what Africa needs is foreign aid or what they, what Africa needs is free trade. I will start by um, Patricia. Definitely the lady of the house. So <laughs> I'm sorry, I have a cold, so my voice will be a bit off. Um, I believe that, uh, like you say, the the problem is not really mismanagement of trade, but the problem is trade to Africa. Not trade, sorry, aid. Aid to Africa is really considered is really is really being used as a business opportunity um, by the uh, by the Western governments. Um, so yeah, free trade is very very important. Aid to some extent is equally important in cases of like natural disasters and everything but generally aid as it is right now is being used as um is being weaponized let me uh be a bit brutal it's being weaponized and being used as a source of business and a source of holding the african countries hostage case and case an example <clears throat> we have programs like usaid which is i think in most african countries not just kenya this is a department that provides aid under the state government of the USA, right? So when they come to our countries, number one, they have to be allocated places where they're going to serve and uh, the people where they're going to reach in the villages and everywhere else. But what do these um, organizations do? They bring in aid from their country. They don't buy maize flour from uh, the Kenyan markets. They don't buy maize flour, from, maize flour from any African country. They buy subsidized maize from the u.s um farmers they provide opportunities for u.s farmers uh they because it's aid it's tax free which of course we don't support taxes but because it's aid it's not being <coughs> it's not being uh brought into our country on tax and what does this do to us and our local businesses this kills our businesses the maize farmer in kenya or in another part of africa cannot really sell their maize because already we are receiving free who is going to buy maize if we are being given free flour who's going to buy that maize you see what happens this maize rot the cost of living becomes expensive and the cycle continues so in my opinion um free trade is better because aid is actually a weapon that is being used against african countries <coughs> i can explain more but i'll we will progress according to your questions <coughs> thank you <coughs> Uh, thank you, Patricia, for that wonderful uh, introduction. I think we have got uh, one of two things from what you just discussed now. And I think the key thing now, I mean, the key thing from your argument is that you believe free trade is what that is, is the only thing that can liberate Africa and not foreign aid. All right. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, I will call uh, Ellen, Ellen Broadening to introduce to us what his conviction and what his argument is on whether foreign aid or foreign trade will liberate Africa. Well, thank you very much, moderator. This is a very pertinent question. <coughs> so, uh, sincerely speaking, yes, we, we have the argument based on two things. That is um, free trade and uh, at the same time uh, foreign aid, yeah. But also to understand 
the the basis of foreign trade would, would also require us to at least dig deeper into where this all came from and how we can mitigate the issue that is already existing right now one of the most things uh, that i always tell my people is that uh, what is disturbing the african leaders is uh, the desire to enter the modern uh, era in a big way so that desire to enter the modern world in a big way gives them a motive to get the foreign aid to establish these infrastructures that seem to the common man as a form of uh, acknowledging that there's some development happening and uh, people need to appreciate that you know so whenever the the, the common man sees a, a tall building a hospital that is being established all that he can say is that the government is doing well but what the person doesn't understand is that the government is depending on the western world to do all these things so all this becomes a question of how how can we deal with it because the problem here is that uh this the, the question of always giving uh you know always rendering help to some people because you feel like they need to be helped can again create a dependence you know because when you, you can't talk about foreign aid without talking about dependence itself now now here we are in the situation of dependence our african leaders all our countries are dependent on the western world because the dollar has been weaponized you know so we are dependent on the currency that has been backed up by gold and all that and politically speaking the dollar now controls the world much as we can so see in the euros but then why should we exchange our resources for the dollars just because we need to depend on them because they have stronger currencies is the question because you can't talk about this uh, you can't talk about uh, foreign aid and talk about free trade when you've not yet talked about the the issue the main issue about how the market is structured is the market structured in a way that when we have to deal with the with the for I mean, when we have to deal with the with the world bank or i mean the, the world market itself are we all equal participants in the market or some people are are made to bring all that they have and the, 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 I mean, the, the prices are determined by those who have the, the dollars or those who have the money, you know. Because now, even though we are to now deal with the with the aspect of now the free trade itself, we are we are too vulnerable to the dollar itself because a country whose currency is being used as a form of exchange in the market itself gains more prominence in the market and dominance. Even when you talk about inflation or the coronavirus, the pandemics, it's still that issue. So I think it's always an issue that we should deal with. It is not about only trade and foreign aid. It's not about what is working in the market itself. That should also be discussed about. Thank you for now. Okay, thank you, Alem, for the wonderful introduction. I think I've got one or two things from your discussion, and uh, I think you are not... Uh, for and against or against foreign aid, but you feel we should look into the market and bring out the best, uh, the best things that can work for Africa. All right, thank you very much, Ellen. Um, I'm calling on Mwen uh, Victor to give us an introduction and his arguments whether he is, he is for he is for foreign aid or um, foreign trade. Thank you very much, Mr. Moderator. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I- I'm not sure that I'll be here for the whole discussion. I am uh, traveling 
the circumstances are not so good. However, aid or trade, what does Africa need? Uh, let me interest you in some statistics to begin with. You see, the most aid-dependent countries have exhibited an annual growth rate of under 0.2 percent. The numbers speak for themselves. Uh, in between 1970 and 1998, aid flows to Africa were at the peak, and Within the same period, the poverty rate rose from 11% to 66%. Now, without getting to the nitty-gritties of why aid, well, okay, whether these two were correlated or how aid could have contributed to this, uh, I want to point out one thing. You see, donors, rather, yes, agencies, always serve the interests of their masters who are the donors. You see, there was a time when uh, NGOs were preaching, uh, were sending contraceptives up country, uh, until a point when this, the US government started funding them. And as a condition, the US, the, 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 the US government gave a condition to these NGOs that, because this was during the Bush administration, they said that uh, they could not encourage contraceptives. These were conservative people, so they encouraged abstinence. And guess what? The same NGOs, uh, put in uh, an, a form of interest for this money and they went back to the same communities and now started preaching abstinence. You see, donors or rather aid agencies are not acting uh, necessarily uh, in an island or something like that. They act with strings attached. There are people pulling the strings. And you see, if it is not we Africans pulling the strings depending on our needs, then we are letting someone else uh, try to figure out uh, what our problems are and what the solutions are. Uh, you see, if you look at the countries that have developed from low developing, low developed countries to become fully developed countries, you realize one thing: that the countries that advance from low developed countries to the fully to advanced economies had an intrinsic development. This development came from within. You see, so long as you see this aid can some have uh, it can have a short term form of growth that it induces. However, if Africa is to grow, we need if, if Africa is to grant have sustainable development, we need our development to come from within. And this is one of the things that trade can give us. You see, you look at the story of Singapore, Taiwan, Malaysia. Tell me what is behind those stories. Aid or trade? I genuinely think that uh, aid, you know, one time I gave an example that uh, in a debate about, uh, and the example I gave was that uh, treating long-term problems with short-term solutions is like finding a baby with diarrhea uh, in a diaper and then you're, you're trying to tighten the diaper. In the short term, it might give you the relief, but in the long term, it doesn't work. You see, so long as in Africa, we do not realize how we, what we can produce. And if we don't realize how to maximize our means of production and see how we can fit this into the world and into the economy, into our collective economies together, then we cannot truly develop long term. Thank you very much. I submit. Uh, thank you very much, Victor. Um, I think your 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 conclusion is uh, uh, just just the same as um, Patricia. That foreign foreign aid cannot help Africa develop. 
what Africa needs to develop is foreign is foreign trade, is free trade. Okay, thank you very much, Victor. And um, I think we now have Benjamin Ginana um, with us. Benjamin, if you are there, can you say hi? Okay, I think he left. Oh, okay, he left. All right, uh, Patricia, I will, I will come back to you on uh, on your discussion because you said you may mention that foreign trade is a weapon being used, and uh, you know it has not given foreign aid is a weapon being used and has not given Africa what it needs. And somebody dropped a point in the session, uh, in the um, chat section, that foreign aid is just a modern form of slavery, and it comes with a lot of conditions. It's equally worsened dependency. Yep. So I, 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 will, I would like to know how foreign aid becomes a you know, weapon because these heads are sent to Africa to help the people. So how mm-hmm. does it become a modern slavery and how does it become a weapon? Okay, so I'll repeat exactly what Victor said. <laughs> I'll repeat exactly what Victor said, that um, foreign aid comes with strings attached. This means that the people who give out this aid have their own interest at heart and not the interest of the Africans or where they are serving. Like I mentioned, I believe that foreign aid is being used as a big business. It's a business, business for the shippers, business for the farmers. That is, okay, I'm giving an example using uh, the maize flour being donated, right? So this is business for the shippers who will ship it, business for the maize millers who are, who are going to um, uh, grind the maize to be flour, business for the farmers in America who are going to farm these things. It's a whole chain of business. So when we get this aid in our countries, because we have, uh, why do you find a lot of NGOs and a lot of, everything is just located in Africa. And you find these organizations running for up to 10 years, up to 20 years, up to 30 years. That means whatever you're doing does not have an impact. Because if it has an impact in around, by at least 10 years, you should have been done with that. You've already helped that community and you're gone. But if helping that community is giving them the basic needs, that is food, um, that is clothing, um, every single time what does that that what does that do to both the local community and the local economy for starters if it's food like i said the farmer who is planting the same food from the local village or the local community the miller who grinds the same maize from the local community is out of business they close down they start depending on the foreign aid because everyone is getting aid so no one is buying there is no business so it's like the poor have no right to buy. They only have the right to receive. <clears throat> uh, clothes is a very touchy issue for me because in Kenya, we had one of the biggest textile industries, but it was closed. Why? Because we had a lot of donations coming from the West. And these donations are in terms of clothes. Uh, like currently, I don't live in Kenya, but sometimes I walk in malls and people are like, where are you from? I'm from Kenya. Oh, we're having a drive. We are collecting clothes to send back to Kenya. Do you have any to give us? I'm like, <laughs> Because this is what is killing our industry. If you give me free, free clothes, I'm not going to buy the clothes that are being produced by the local textile industry. I'm not going to buy that. And that shifts now from one generation to another generation. They become dependent on that specific form of aid. Because if I see that I don't need to work, I can get food, I can get clothes, that's what I need. Maybe I have family land so I can just build my structure, my heart and everything and continue living there how how are we ever going to stop that cycle you see like if we use 
aid is mainly used as a weapon because sorry i'm just putting my points all over because for example uh let's say when these governments when the western governments gave us the aid apart from uh not doing it from our own point of interest but for their own point of the interest of dumping or getting rid of excesses there's this other impact but if they need to do anything in our countries if they need to fly drones if they need to set up military camps like what they're doing in kenya if they need to do anything we are at their mercy why because if we don't do that they withdraw their aid their aid is what we need to survive so it depends it creates this i i like i said it's weaponized and it's like a bullying culture whereby they know they know they have us by our throats if we don't do this they are just going to withdraw their aid and that's it that's over for us because the people are already dependent on it so it creates a uh, the one who mentioned a dependency culture it creates a dependency culture where people don't see the need of actually um running businesses or operating businesses they feel like it's okay I can just get it for free. I don't need to work hard for that. And we all know no one can refuse anything. I I myself can't refuse free food or free lunch. So yeah, that's exactly what <coughs> I was talking about. Okay, Come on, Patricia. have your hands raised. Okay. Um we have time for question now. Cut. Okay. You want to say something? Okay, it's not saying anything. I I think I got your point very clearly, uh, Patricia, and uh, you know, just made uh, a very valid argument of uh, people of the economists against uh, foreign aid. You know, when we have free money flowing to Africa, so people are going to take advantage of that and be dependent on that, and going to create um, people who are like population that are dependent on something on foreign i mean foreign support so we won't have they won't take advantage of opportunities in global economy so and that's very bad for the national economy so i i got a point parisha thank you very much for that and uh, i'll quickly go to lm because somebody made uh, an, uh, a point in the comment section the person said that okay um we have Sorry, somebody made just a point about African ideology that we have African ideology, and uh, you know why can't we just tap into that and forget about free trade or foreign trade or foreign aid, and you know come back home and see and you know sort out things how this can work for us because you are saying about like you are talking something about um, looking into the market. So maybe it's high time we went back home and see for ourselves what can work for Africa. So do you also believe in this, that we need to tap in into African ideology? Um, you're asking me the, a very important question, but uh, I still have to have a base to make that happen. Yes, apparently the African ideology is not, uh, is not a cloud that is suspended on the ground. That has to be uh, talked about in um, differently but still the same we are talking about the foreign aid and free trade uh, what i want to bring into your i mean what i want to bring to your attention is that for every dollar that comes into the continent represents four dollars going out of the continent uh, for for economists will understand that this would this would also try to uh, show how 
dangerous foreign aid could be and also um, other grants that are received by our countries you know <clears throat> so sincerely speaking uh, it's 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 any f- you know it's foreign aid and uh, free flow of uh, other currencies into the country that's already free trade makes it clear to us that foreign aid and uh, and free trade are not are not different from each other it's now it's it now depends on how you see it are you trying to see it from uh, from a wider view or you're just seeing it from a common man's perspective uh, the only problem with us is that we always use deductive reasoning to always bring to our, i mean to always come to an argument but always emphasize that we have to use inductive and deductive we have to bring specific instances before we go to the what to, to, to a general perspective of things and also we have to also deal with the bigger aspects of the thing and bring back to the to, to, to a specific thing so in this aspect what i'm trying to say is that uh, when you talk about the foreign aid itself it's very problematic in that when we're to, to deal with it we find ourselves uh limited to what the economy is trying to produce but it also has an impact on the political uh drives of a country of a continent you know um you know Kwame Krumah said that seek the political kingdom first and the rest shall be added unto you it was how even colonialism was colonialism wasn't going to be possible if at all uh, because the colonialism was based on the economic aspects of how uh, europe was supposed to deal with its uh, economic depression that was happening by then because america had already delinked itself from europe and europe was ma- and uh, america was a great uh, consumer of Europe, the, the European manufactured goods, you know. So, but when America broke away from Britain, uh, that's uh, when it gained its independence. Uh, literally, Europe had to look for another way. But in looking for that other way, colonialism was basically was purely economic, you know. It was economic in nature, but they had to seek for the political control of the continent. And that's what uh, legitimate, legitimate. I mean, that's what legitimized uh, colonialism itself. So, even when you talk about this foreign aid, it also has an impact on the political economy. You know, how is the economy operating? Are the people who are working as leaders purely sovereign? Are they independent? Are they really making decisions from their own perspectives, or they're making it be- because they're being influenced by the Western world? You know much as you can talk about this now it now brings on other aspects of how the economy deals i mean works and how the political wing is being distracted you know if the political wing is over distracted from how it's supposed to control the economy itself then probably we are all doomed so yeah as just as uh, patricia brought it clearly here you know when you talk about the un you talk about the usaid they talk about the world vision all these organizations uh, i don't know whether you read about uh, lords of poverty by graham and uh, dead aid by dambisa uh, moyo and uh, like even the new confession of an economic hitman these books try to give us a clear perspective of how foreign aid is disastrous and when you talk about the lords of poverty you realize that the poverty in africa here is a business for some people elsewhere you know it's a free market and in a free market anyone can advertise for your issues elsewhere and people will buy the idea and they will come and invest in your country but they're investing in form of 
educating, they are already employing other people to work on your behalf to come and solve your problems in the, in the country. And the problems that are going to solve are never going to be solved because it is the more the problem exists, the more they can get to uh, consume a lot of money out of it. The more they are going to make their economies grow out of it. Because when these people here come to uh, try to solve a problem here, they're also looking, they're getting information about the resources that we have. They get information about the political climate and they can always take advantage of it. That's already the free entry of them into the country. When you talk about, like in Uganda, we have Compassion Uganda, uh, they work with the churches. And that's why most times I'm so against these religious, uh, you know, wings of the country, you know. When you talk about these religious uh, groups or like religious uh, maybe churches, these people here, they are too much used by these NGOs. You know, that's why sometimes we are always against the NGO thing because these NGOs are always bringing that aspect of dependence. The foreign aid might not just be literally just the money coming in uh, to the government, but also through these, these organizations that will always end up working with these uh, religious uh, sects to always provide for the people in the villages and that's where they're creating problems it's creating a dependency a dependency of thinking that it's either the white man who is going to solve our problem or the government and if at all the government doesn't provide for its people then the people always choose between the government or the NGOs and that's why most of our people are so always, always seeing the white men as if they are gods for us and yet these are people who are already feasting on the on the vulnerability of our economies because they're helping you know, so I think even when you're to deal with these other continents or like these other countries that have made it, uh, that have made it in the world, if I told you to understand their histories, they are, they have always um, they've always uh, applied a protectionist policy to always build their economies before handling the outside world. So when you when you talk about the free aid, I mean the free trade itself, you should be well conversant about how the economy is operating right now. Are we in position to produce at least 60% of manufactured goods that are having a value in the market? Or we are always producing like 20% and 80% is what we consume or like what we import, you know? If at all we import like more than 80% of, of manufactured goods, then we spend a lot of money in, uh, in, 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 uh, in strengthening some economies. And, the, the, and you know, this thing has a double standard. You are strengthening the dollar's power over your continent and at the same time they are manufactured goods or their products because globalization as capitalism i would say can never ex i mean can never work very well without going beyond the borders you know so it has to go beyond the borders so that those things that are seen as low quality in some other countries can get uh, a full uh, maybe demand in countries of law in countries that are, are, are just developing not developed countries because in developed countries someone who is even producing low quality can easily sell to our countries and he will easily get a market but our people here getting their high quality things selling those ends might always have problems of the currency that they're using so it's a very big issue that we can deal with it's not only limited to these two concepts that we are dealing with it's it goes beyond that that's all i can say for now Wow, Elim, thank you very much for that point. I think we've uh, really understood um, like the uh, 
both sides of the coin here that even though we have uh, and we have foreign aid as you know, detriment, like detrimental to the Afghan economy, we cannot shy away from it totally because we, we need to ask some questions that are we really ready? Okay, that will bring me to the next question for um, Patricia. Patricia, you are saying something about um, human disaster, you know, over the past years, we've seen that African countries have dwelled into senseless wars and it has left, you know, millions of people, uh, like it has pushed millions of people into poverty. Mm-hmm. According to a UN report, 292 million people are undernourished in Africa. And ah. that's about 25% of the population now. You know, that's interesting. Africa. That's interesting considering Africans, we plant our own food, we have our own farms, but proceed. <coughs> okay, and that's about 25% of the population that is stronger, according to the UN report. So mm-hmm. I, I would like to ask that, so do you think without this foreign aid, how could these people get help? You know, this, these African countries cannot even sustain their economy and we have more people facing hunger and you know how can they even solve this problem without foreign aid abdullah i'm really disappointed because you keep asking me the same thing (laughs) the same question that i've been saying since i i started uh because i started by saying they create this dependency culture which means that we have to we 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 have our farms we can produce it but when we produce it we can't sell it (coughs) because there's an uh the market the market is saturated with free food and free aid so we can't sell it so that creates a dependency culture that's why they keep saying africans are malnourished they're whatever and everything right (coughs) but i have this argument right who writes these reports these reports are not written by us they are not written by us and yeah and i remember i said earlier that the ngos this the the entire this whole organizations that are in charge of checking all malnutrition everything all of this they serve the agendas of whoever sends them the same same thing that victor was trying to say they serve the agendas of whoever is paying them and the agenda of whoever is paying them is to drive a certain narrative and when they drive that certain narrative that means that they can be able to keep doing what they have been doing with no one questioning them like in this case where you're asking me africa has the highest rate of malnutrition if that's not true we have our farms people might be People might not have the strong currency or whatever, but I believe even in my house back at home, we can plant, uh, we call them, what is it called in English? We can plant kills like in the garden and we actually eat more healthy than what people in the Western world actually eat. To eat, to eat healthy in a Western world is very, very expensive as compared to doing it back at home in Africa. So I would believe that report is uh, a rubbish. <laughs> So I say it's rubbish because it's not written by us. It's not written for us. It's written against us to promote a certain agenda. And then, <clears throat> before I forget, because I've, I think I've only dwelt on aid and not really talk, talked about free trade. Uh, when I'm actually referring to free trade, um, I think I wrote it on the charts that I'm talking about fair market opportunities to trade our goods, right? That means that Kenya, we are producers of coffee we are one of the biggest producers of coffee but we cannot trade our coffee fairly in the market why because uh, people want to buy it at the lowest they give us the 
highest uh what what do we call them the taxes or something like buying from us they charge us really really expensive process it and then sell it back to us in form of grains at uh and they want subsidies and they want everything to be done so that their commodity when it sells back to kenya it's very very cheap so when we talk about free trade we just we are actually pushing for free trade but with fair market opportunities because when you just say okay free trade and they still keep doing the same same thing that they're doing to us we <coughs> we produce the goods as raw materials we don't have the facilities to process our own raw materials when we sell them to them they give us high the charges very very expensively and then they send it back to us at a triple price so that that does not still make sense to me so when we're talking about aid being used against us and talking about free trade we really need to push for fair market opportunities for <coughs> our african product produce again because africa we are the biggest producers of cocoa which is highly consumed in africa not in africa in europe we are the biggest producers of coffee which is highly consumed like we are the biggest producers of a lot of things gold is gotten from africa diamond all these things cobalt all these things are gotten from us but why are we still the most poorest people because we don't have fair terms we don't have fair terms we we like um it's like the goal is to keep us at that com- as that continent that is uh what's the right word not malnutrition as that continent that cannot really afford to do anything that way they create a dependency culture and in our head when someone keeps singing the same thing you believe it you start thinking oh yes we are poor oh yes we are but the world cannot run without us literally where where are they going to get all these things they're not they're not found let me talk about they cannot grow good coffee in their soils they cannot grow good cocoa in their soils they cannot get <coughs> gold deposits diamond deposits in their soils so why are we still the poorest people yeah that's that's a rhetorical question okay thank you patricia uh, i got your points and uh, I, you know i don't know why you said you were disappointed in my question but you know we have the statistics and as as you say maybe it's not written by us but but that's what we have for now and mm-hmm. uh, our story has not been written by us so what we have is what we we use but as a matter of fact you know uh, i like i'm a journalist and i've reported on uh, displaced uh, persons in <coughs> conflict zone in nigeria and during my report i came across uh, some idps and you know the story of malnutrition or malnourished children is not only in paper you know i've seen it you know physically and i've experienced it with people who are really affected by it so we have conflict zones in africa and people have been driven have been pushed into poverty into abject poverty for that matter and these people have been helped by foreign hate you know so my question is that if this is stopped how do we think our own government our own national government can wear this shoe and provide help for these people so are we really ready for that mm. so I, I don't know if you understand my question now that question is for me yes you know i don't okay. know why you i don't know if you understand it now uh i think i do <laughs> but you remember i said somewhere on top there sometimes there are instances instances where 
aid is actually necessary but in this case where aid is necessary what about sourcing locally i'll give an example of an orphanage where we have people here putting posters of children and they're like sponsor this child to go to school sponsor this child to go to school but that child is from a family of eight children with two parents right the only reason this child cannot go to school is because the parents don't have um the resources to take this child to school what if instead of saying uh, i want this person to sponsor this child to school how about we empower this parent we empower this parent so that the eight children are assured of a safer future rather than you because we will say sponsor this one child but at the end of the day this funds there is no essence of accountability anywhere they just get and go and disappear somewhere or they might serve their purpose at some point but <clears throat> for us to completely stop the foreign aid i i am so anti government intervention because i believe the government in most cases does not have our best interest at heart especially the african government they do not have our best interest at heart because most of our african leaders are actually very very selfish so in this case if we have to stop uh foreign aid we have to create structures um that will ensure that the people because before we start helping this person there is a problem and we have to solve the problem from the root cause not from the tip where the problem is so like i said in case of this child who needs to go to school if we empower this parent the parent of this child maybe give them a technical um give them a technical um, skill where they can be able to get employed get money or start a business we have helped eight people in one we have solved like the problem for one family go to the next do the same you know it's even much easier to equip two parents with skills than saying we are going to make eight children go through this whole system in a way that is not really accountable <coughs> So in this case my proposition would be if we have to stop foreign aid we have to solve our problem from the root problem from the root cause and that is food is never a problem in Africa that one i believe we have vast land we have very beautiful agricultural land that is very fertile food is never a problem in Africa if Egypt does not have problems of food shortage in every country in northern africa and that's where we have the largest saharan desert and we are all living in places where uh, land is agricultural um agriculturally what is this well healthy that is not a problem if we just put our resources together in case of places like agriculture maybe if we have to involve the government open irrigation schemes in areas where there's less water or the land is not really that good that way we provide food for our people we don't that is a whole entire people who will be working in that farm those are employed people so they don't need to depend on aid they get their dignity they get their right to buy and sell you see so like it's a whole <clears throat> it's a whole cycle that needs to be solved by getting to the root of the problem why are these people not able to provide for themselves because number one they don't have jobs number two they don't have this they don't have this so let's equip them so that they can be able to have it um dan abdullah okay patricia i got it now since we're on the same page now like Okay, the, uh, the solution, uh, as suggested, is that before we even talk about stopping foreign, uh, foreign aid, we need to solve our own problem. And that's to look at the roots and solve the problem from there. Thank you very much, Patricia. Uh, LM, you are raising up your hand. Do you want to say something? 
where I saw the discussion was only based on one person and I was scared because we are two panelists inside. Oh, sorry for that. I have a question especially for you, but before I go to yes, that... Yes, you can ask. Two persons here are raising up their hands. Let me ask if they want to ask Patricia a question. Tyson, do you have anything to say on the... a word? Okay. Um, Alan, my question uh, for you is that, you know, we've talked about free trade and uh, we talked about free trade being the being an option for Africa and for Africa to develop itself. So do you think Africa is ready for this free trade? Do you think we are ready? I am sure that like uh, in 2018, we have African continental free trade and it came into force in 2019. but. Um, apart from that, we still have some African countries that limited, um, you know, importation of goods and services, like importation of goods into their countries. So, considering all these um, elements, do you think Africa and African countries are ready for free or free trade? Uh, the question is important, but at the same time, I should admit that the Africans are already in the free market economy. They're already trading and they're already buying things from outside. And that's why you can easily use a phone that is made from Germany, or one that is made from uh, China, or even India. So I think we're already into it. The question is that how are we, I mean, how are we operating in this economy that seems to be free, much as there are also regulations, because it's now in the names of globalization. As other people would support it, that it's a good thing. That yes, we need economy, an economy that can really. Uh, we need an economy that uh, th- that can really work with others without limiting. But yes, we also have to understand that when you talk about the pay itself, uh, it limits the the governments from uh, making uh, their own decisions. I always tell people that whenever a government is being given those grants or aid uh, what it does is that uh, it it uh, their policy space is being occupied you know because public policies are the same are the, at last will always affect our uh, our our operations in the country our i mean our economy maybe both socially economically politically so when a country is over dependent on foreign aid its economy or its uh, its operations will always be uh, controlled by those who fund these countries for whatever they want to do because whenever the policy space has been occupied literally those are countries that are overfunded by these western worlds then probably then that means the people are in a disaster and, only, and also there are some other issues where the government always comes out with those welfare policies of trying to bring money closer to the people uh, in terms of trying to empower them. But you always have to understand that money is not an empowerment itself. Because I can decide to give you uh, maybe a one million USA dollar or maybe like, let's say, maybe a one million Ugandan shillings. And I don't tell you anything about it. And there's some of them I'm going to talk with and I'll tell him how an, a business can be open in his own way 
and with his own resources and he will at last be empowered you know and this person here might work harder to perform better than the other person much as the other that will take it because with three things if at all there are no strings attached you will always make a blunder a blunder that will make you use the money for whatever you want because most of our spendings are on liabilities than assets and also patricia talks about uh, we having fertile land we having prosperous uh, farmers but i also want to bring to her attention that you africa is not a homogeneous uh, entity that you can uh, maybe picture in one way and you have not to picture africa as a geog- i mean africa as a geographical space that you can uh see as a prosperous country that has things and that you know because we have other countries but that are part of africa that have been deserts and also you have to understand that the society uh, the african society is made up of classes we have the rich peasants we have the poor peasants we have the middle class peasants we have the agrarian proletariats those are the workers in the agricultural sectors these are people who might literally have no no land and the poor ones might also have small land but they always do things on a small scale and the middle class have moderates they can they have some modified uh machines maybe like ox plows or let us say when uh, other you know sophisticated machineries that they use but they are so moderate you know and now here comes the rich peasants those are the, those are the ones who use tractors some of them uh they always uh work with governments to get land and produce maybe coffee or maybe cocoa at a large scale and there are some who are called the kulaks those are the people who are now dealing through the sugar industries like in Uganda we have kakira and all that these are the so these are different people in an economy an economy that is not the same for all so when you to say that we have fertile land whose land are you talking about and whom are we talking about here is it that everyone has access to having this land and if those who even who have the land do they have control over the land it also it's also a question you know it's an issue because we can also talk about how africa is good and how our economies can operate without those people but also we have to understand are we all having the purchasing powers to operate without them because even when you talk about how we are always seen by these other continents they say that we don't consume uh, i mean we we consume less than two dollars per day but you have to understand that in my village i can stay for almost two months without handling a single coin but i am eating i am living very well and all that but according to the world bank it means i'm poor you know and here comes the question what is poverty itself hmm? who defines poverty hmm? and how can we deal with this identification how can we bring our african concept of poverty how can we describe poverty itself because according to them they said that we have generational poverty we have absolute poverty we have um we have uh, situational poverty and we also have uh, other kinds of uh, you know the way they can classify poverty itself but are uh, these ones here related to how we re- how we live according to uh, a historian uh he he identified and Lord Markley's uh, statement in uh, in uh, in 19 it was 1835 I'm sorry to take you back to the histories Lord Markley made it clearly that when he came to Africa he didn't see any beggar around he didn't see people 
running after others maybe maybe stealing or maybe doing all those things as it is in africa as it was in europe poverty wasn't in africa according to, to to his understanding because as he came here people were totally living sustainably as other people say that communism is bad but that was the kind of communism that they were living in so according to the to, to this understanding we understand that the poverty has not brought has been brought by the aspect of trying to quantify countries by the currencies they hold and how they use the currencies and that makes us dependent on the aid itself i think i i think i hope i am making sense this makes us again dependent we now know that okay now we don't have the money now where should we get the money how can we do this as fast as we can to get the aid you know that's why even these blocks regional blocks that are being made in names of uh, creating pan african things to create some trade and whatever they are all being funded again by the west so it makes no sense it's now trying to run a, 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 i mean run round um a cycle trying to think you're making a change and yet you're trying to come back to the same point that you are from so these are things that could do come up uh, in the process when you're trying to discuss this issue thank you all right elem elem has uh, you know given us valid points on um things that we need to consider and how uh, african are really uh, you know uh, are seen outside for instance what's mentioned on um the person that came to africa and discovered there was no beggars nobody was um, asking for money or asking for aid but things have changed and now people now regard africans or africans as beggars looking for foreign aid so what has changed and what's really caused it uh what we need to you know um iron out okay thank you very much elemos again we are moving to the end you know to the end of the session but before that uh we thought somebody made a point on um protectionist policy in africa and i think this will be an entrance to uh, a free market economy and that's and that's what we are discussing now so if we if africa countries want to adopt a free market economy and we still have protectionist policy for instance in nigeria um, between 2015 and uh, 2020 our government um, stopped importation of you know banned importation of rice it closed all the um, land borders and stopped all importation from indigenous land borders and and that really affect you know it affected the country save and our neighboring countries like being a republic So if we really if we really want Africa countries to adopt free markets uh, our leaders ready to you know do away with their protectionist uh, policy and another example is you know after the um, uh, after the Africa Future Agreement was uh, came into force then we have uh, one pan african payment uh, system and that was to facilitate trade in africa trade and payment in africa but you know we still have high taxes in africa and uh, according to the uh, african um african here uh, how do they call it um so, so, so how much help me with the with the term yeah the african here transportation 
we have uh, the African Airlines Association. Sorry, they made this. They made us realize that flying uh, within Africa is more, or flying into Africa is more costly than flying out. So, and this we don't look good into the economy, and you know, we have, it's it's soon to be a detriment of the people coming into the country to invest. Uh, how do you? How do we think Africa can move out of this conundrum? We want to go do away with foreign trade, foreign aid, and want to invite or and and want to practice foreign trade. But we have all this protectionist policy in our way. So how do we think we can do that? Patricia, can you give um say here? Sorry, I lost our connection for like two minutes. What was your question? Okay. I was talking about protectionist policy in Africa. Mm-hmm. So we said we want to do away with uh, foreign aid and adopt free trade. Mm-hmm. But even though we have African continental free trade agreement, some of these mm-hmm. African countries still have protectionist policy that deter other countries from, you know, coming to their country to invest, or even mm-hmm. within the country, like excessive taxes. Um, mm-hmm banning from importation something like that so if mm-hmm. you want to promote free trade how do you think how do you think you can, we can do away with this <clears throat> i think for free trade to really like uh like you mentioned i think you mentioned after somewhere around before i lost my connection right <clears throat> yes hello okay great so uh what you mentioned is actually a problem that kenya and tanzania have been having for the longest time uh, because even the introduction of ACTA, we had the East African community, which promotes free trade, bo- uh, a borderless trade between the countries of East Africa. But for some reason, Tanzania and Kenya, Tanzanians, the Tanzanian government will still not allow Kenyans to trade freely in Tanzania. So this is a problem that we have been having. And in this case, I think we need a solution from mainly our leaders or something like that because in this case um the after is mainly to promote to, to, to promote like the free trade between the all the countries and all the borders but some governments will feel like probably these people are too aggressive this business will take over our local jobs like <clears throat> it it has a lot we need a lot of work apart from our leaders acting as a is it leverage or what is the word our leaders acting as the promoters of free trade because like the problem between kenya and tanzania you'll find that the leader was also inciting the citizens that kenyans are aggressive kenyans can do this kenyans can do this so like it became very hard we had very harsh we until now we still experience very harsh um uh what do we call them border border control officers when we are crossing over and everything it's for it to work in africa i think we should now this is where we'll say we should emulate what's actually happening in eu i don't know what's happening there because i'm not really an economist but if we emulate whatever they're doing because how they trade and how they allowed their free trade to move within the countries in such a way that put the small the small producers and the big producers can be able to enjoy the benefits of free trade and fair competition then we will have a solution and uh, i'm sorry i will have to drop off in like 10 minutes so yeah all right thank you patricia we're even uh, like we are already 
that is already 8 p.m. and I uh, know sorry 8 p.m. here in Nigeria and that's one hour after we started the meeting. So we are even writing up now. So I asked Ellen to give us uh, like a closing remark on the topic we've been discussing. What do Africans need free trade, aid of free trade? Um, yes, uh, since now free trade is an issue in the continent, at the same time, um, uh, free trade and uh, foreign aid or like aid itself is already a reality. I always tell people that you can't uh, bring in solutions without understanding the reality. So you should understand things from the roots. Yes, to deal with the aspect of pay itself. Uh, yeah, like if at all we are saying that now uh, our countries are over depending on other countries to get near food. Like we talk of how our countries have been having, experiencing high prices of of, of uh, mere bread or even food in the country just because some of these things are gotten from Russia, you know. Uh, so, if at all a country sees that that's an issue, why don't you now dive, I mean, how, why don't you now avert all those things and bring back issues into the country and create some protectionist policy? The protectionist policy shouldn't be meant to destroy an economy, but to make the economy know that it has, it's now it's time to create something, not depend on other countries when they can do it in the country. Like, we can give an example right now. Yes, you remember there were some times there were most of our countries were depending on others to get me maize, and yet they could have maybe purchased or like maybe uh, produced maize in their own countries with their own land resources and all that. So when you make it uh, an issue of over depending on others because of just mere food, then how would it now mean for the manufactured things? Yes, we say that our countries are poor in terms of, um, because you have to understand that poverty is measured by the consumption rates not measured by the form of how you live or whatever you know that's how limited in scope the description of poverty or like of uh, of uh, developmental states or like when they say uh indicators are when you talk about the world bank or the un and all that that's how they define it how you consume what do you consume is what defines whether you're poor or not and you have to understand that in, it's in this same economy that some people can spend almost 31 million just on beer on a Saturday. And again, 900 people are dying of hunger at the extreme sides of the country. It's the same economy and you're trying, and when you're to confuse this aspect and you think that, yeah, 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 maybe this is now an issue of consumption, you have to understand that also the GDP or the GNP is a generalization of everybody consuming something divided by the total number of people and that's where they will bring in the aspects of that we consume less than two dollars because one percent of the population earns above one million meaning that others are either earning less than uh, even four hundred thousand in ugandan shillings or even two hundred thousand even a hundred thousand that's our currency in uganda and this limits our understanding of how we can define this poverty itself can you define poverty by the way we consume in terms of liquidizing the economy to, 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 to define things according to how we exchange things with money, currency, 
but that doesn't but that doesn't work in our villages because here the most vulnerable people are not the rural poor it's the urban poor we talk of those people in the slums i hope you understand those people so those are the people who are being hit and affected by the urbanization that's happening as a wave that's in, in africa someone some professor last time said that uh, what is uh, what is affecting africa right now is uh, what's affecting africa is that there is over urbanization and whenever there is over urbanization it has an adverse effect on those who are maybe natives of such a country or such a place or such a, an area who can never live with the with the with the with the first uh, waves of development at that point you know most of them will always be vulnerable to the changes that are being made so apparently it was it's also a very contradicting thing that we should always understand are we going to deal with because we talk about now the protectionists we will now deal with can we co- can we co- can we can we try to quit what we can consume within our limits even when we can't consume what's outside we can live with what we are we have right now is the question is 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 the main aspect of this protectionist policy but if at all it is with the aspect of trying to destroy an economy in the other way then it would also cause issues because you have to understand a country's level of sustainability without others in terms of its natural resources to produce something can always determine its powers elsewhere but if at all a country is over dependent on the outside world because it is free trade this free market then probably it will be so vulnerable to the external powers who always try to you know to 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 take advantage of the of it all you know so the aspect here is that i i always tell people that dependency like you have to create when uh being independent it's not about uh it's not being self sustaining most times it's again creating other people to depend on you yes the more you create other people to depend on you even when you don't have enough money it will always make you powerful over them it will always, always make you decide for them you know just like it's the relationship between our parents at home the parents whenever the father knows that he's providing everything for the woman he feels so much powerful and strong until the woman tries to change ways of trying to not to consider maybe asking everything from the man and the man will feel insecure that's how the relationship is between us and the USA Europe and China if at all we want to always depend on them that will make us more vulnerable to their powers and their decisions but the more we we'll try to deviate from depending on the on them then we can always talk about this issue itself that's all i can say for now thank you all right thank you alim uh i think that will be the last question and then you know we've come to a common ground that africa do not need foreign aid what the continent needs it's free trade thank you everyone thank you everyone and thank you for staying uh, in the meeting uh we have three people or two people raising their hands so uh we need to if you have any question or contribution this this is the time for you to let us know uh, well you can go on with the question or uh, tyson you have any question or contribution please proceed can you yourself and you know say something 
Guys, when you can taste something. Ah, thank you. Finally, I, I we did not have uh, the mic, um, so I guess I can start us off. I got the mic now. Um, I I think I would want to. I have made a comment that we are discussing the same side, the same side of the same coin. Uh, there is a relationship between uh, what we call free trade and what we call aid, which Patricia went all out to actually prove that there is nothing called aid and there's nothing called free trade. So uh, I will start with the free trade part of it and then I will end with uh, the synthesis where I think all of us we were in agreement when it comes to dependency. Um, when it comes to trade or free trade, if we want to call it that, what are you importing? This is a question I want us to pose introspect, like to be introspective with it. Because, uh, for instance, uh, LM, those headsets are nice. Um, and then I guess P Patricia had had glasses on. Th those are things we're importing, by the way. And uh, Gideon has a very nice suit on. It might be an import. I, I'm saying all this because uh, one uh, brother about a couple of years back said that it is embarrassing, for instance, in the case of South Africa, that we are importing toothpicks. We are importing toothpicks. He said it, it does not make sense why we end up having to import toothpicks. But then let me bring it to us that free trade, free and fettered trade means that as a country, you have to allow everything to happen in your country. That is free trade. That is the treaties that we are signing in the name of free trade they basically allow that these treaties are like agoa uh, the african growth opportunity act in the us uh, we saw it being used as a weapon in south africa and uh, as a submission i did mention up there that we are actually having to choose when you say free trade it's agoa it's a trade agreement which is exploitative and can be used as a weapon when you say um aid it's also saying where is the aid going we know how aid in the name of aid rebels have been funded on the african continent so we need to get over the thing the small things that we uh, import because for instance in south africa payday you know, i think there are three four critical paydays in the south african society and on each and every one of them uh it's embarrassing the the uh, the number of people in queues at fast food restaurants it's really embarrassing for lack of a better word it is just embarrassing so we need to get over superfluous consumption the question i started with was saying what are we importing i would like for us to actually look at what uh, jose mujica the former president of uruguay said he said that we have created as as a civilization we have created what he calls superfluous consumption consumption for merely consuming we are not even conscious anymore we are just superfluous consumers and we have bought into the consumerism of christmas new year holiday weekend payday and all those things are killing us but then when it comes to dependency 
uh, when you look at uh, the dependency which was created with aid, more especially, and with even free trade deals, the dependency that is created takes away from the people's sovereignty. Hungry people don't have a say in what happens. Hungry people don't get a vote. Um, I think in this case, I would uh, suggest that we follow the lady from India, Vendana Shiva. Uh, she actually speaks about sovereignty of a human being when it comes to sovereignty of food. We did mention, Patricia mentioned that, you know, we grow our own food. We can grow our own food. Why are we, what else are we importing in foodstuffs? And Agoa gave us some uh, some sterile like storage full chickens so with that i want us to always uh, consider like the inner part of it the inner workings of it uh, take it from chinwezu ibekwe in nigeria when he writes in decolonizing the african mind we, we need to really read that and actually see through the rules that we are made to play thank you very much wow thank you very much tyson that's a wonderful point you made there. Like we cannot be talking about free trade, free trade, and still be saying that we need to be producing everything that we consume. You know, that's just uh, opposite things to what we discussed. Thank you very much, Tyson. I really enjoyed your point there. Um, I will and uh, Okumo, who wants to go first? I will. You can go. Hello, everyone. Hope I'm clear. Yes. Yeah, uh, I've been really paying atten attention to every discussion which is going on. And I had just a very small submission that I feel I should place across. Mm, as Africans, we should look at our history first and where we are heading to and what kind of development we have really gone through so far. For the past time that we reattain our independence, uh, most of the, the people who have made their presentation, they're talking of AIDS. They're talking of AIDS as something which is not very important in our, in our economic development, or which to some extent I really support them to a bigger extent, and, and, and I support that we rather go for free trade. Because hate, as many of, of, of us have agreed that they string a tight trade and it's a way and it's a way of brainwashing the Africans. Patricia talk of hate in terms of emergency. In Uganda, we have had several emergencies which has overrepeated itself. So if you keep re receiving hate in such emergency, like the flooding, like the 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 the, the, the the, the, the food crisis in Karamajong, this is not something new to us. So it means that we are not very well organized, we are not very well innovative to solve our own problem. So as Africans, we first, first, we first look at our capacity. What kind of good can we produce that can be marketed in those, in those, in, in those countries that really feel like we should trade with them? because we cannot export and process good. You see, in Uganda, we produce a very high volume coffee, but this coffee will always sell to foreign market, which is when it's not yet processed. 
we might sell a kilo in less than a kilo costs like three less than three thousand shilling. But these people, when they process this thing, they sell us in gram at the cost of thirteen thousand shilling. So, as African, let us look at our capacity to trade with those people and how best we can improve sending in high quality product that can easily attract the clients, the consumers in the other countries. Of recent, Patrick Lumumba was in Uganda and he said that even Africa, East African themselves, they cannot trade among themselves. Somebody in Gulu can, do not know anything going on in Nairobi, Kenya. Somebody in Nairobi, Kenya doesn't know anything in Dar es Salaam, maybe in, 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 in Khartoum, Juba. And we are in African, East African bloc. How can we first improve trade among ourselves within the East African countries before we, we, we talk of highly developed market like Europe, like those areas? Because first of all, we, we know that we, we, we are highest consumer of coffee. But again, we consume what we don't process ourselves. We only, we only, we only grow them. Then later on, we, we send them to other countries. They process it. They bring it back to us. You see, the kind of trade we are still doing is still very low. Is still very low. So we need capacity building. Of this capacity building, it must be very logical how we are going to get this capacity building so that we really improve our, our soul. And it is very vital for us to work hand in hand with the government. One of the passion they are talk of that she doesn't believe in working with the government. There's no way we can say we are going to improve on our trade when we really, do, when we really don't support the government policy and the government in, in, is us. If our representative really listen to us and really listen to them and we work we sit on a round, round table we work things together it will be very, we shall move very at a very high speed in the next level of growth and development looking to the market we should reason beyond our nose and really look into the market and be a little bit creative a little bit, a little bit innovative and we start from from law. All our economy these days is market is demand driven. You can you can you can go go for for free trade, and when you take your goods to the market, nobody buys it. The loss is zero. So let us trust. Let us everyone. It 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 all start with us. It all start with you. It all start with everyone. And, and, and as, you, as we, we look at the aggregate level, that's when we account for the kind of development that we really we are really going to. Because when we are waiting for us as a country to develop, it will be a kind of a waste of time. As as start as you that really, people of Kenya, I mean Uganda, people of Kenya need this. You do it to your best, to your maximum, and you really transport it from Uganda. From Kampala, Uganda, to to, 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 to to Nairobi, Kenya. You sell your good, you come back. The next time you think of the next market, that's really what we can what, what we can do. Yeah, I also believe that heads is come with a string attached, and it's a kind of 
new colonialism. See, African, if, if we keep depending on AIDS, we shall be under these white people for a very long time. In Africa, when a white person enters into the supermarket, they give him a lot of respect, as it is an angel which has entered into the supermarket. If he's going to buy something of 5,000 shillings, and a black man, when he enters, it is something, a normal thing. Even if he's going to buy something of 100,000 shillings or 1 million. So, this is the time that we are as African, we should, not, we, should, we should wake up from the dream and should not be like being brainwashed and should look into our potential. What can we do? And we should start within our level as Africa. If need of going to be in a closed economy, we, we, can, we can be in a closed economy, provided we, pro, we produce goods that if they fail to buy it, we can consume locally. It's okay. And, 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 and for us, we should be, embrace the brotherhood. If the other person from the other side have got, uh, produced something, yes. Why, why, why should they not buy it? Why should they go for other goods produced in a more developed country? In, in, in Uganda, when a phone is produced in Uganda, nobody buys it. They go for a German-made phone. So we are killing our creativities. We are killing our skills. And here we're talking of free trade. Okay, thank you very much. I would like to stop there as a listen from the other uh, right, presentation. Thank you very much. I will, uh, that's a very wonderful point. And we need to consider all those things that you mentioned. We cannot disregard the role of government in protecting even the capitalism that we want, that we believe we make the continent flourish. The future we, we, we are sure we make the continent flourish, we still need government as an institution to make it work better. So thank you very much, Awol. Uh, we are minutes behind schedule. And I don't know, Mike, can you say everything you want to say in a few seconds? If you can, please go on. You have less than 60 seconds to do that. Thank you. Okay, good evening, everyone. This is Mike from Uganda. So my point is just short and brief, and everyone knows it, but I'm speaking on a scientific ground. And science is what I've observed. Yeah, it is clear we have agreed that the only solution for us to eradicate poverty in Africa is this, also within our, 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 own, our own country. But now the question comes, yeah, it's like we have already formulated a plan for the African How are we going to implement the free trade? The reason as to why we cannot adopt the free trade because the education system that we have been actually uh, made to adopt is that which is that which trains us only to work in those factories of the of the whites of the Western countries. These people have generated for developed for the education system, which trains us only to cram things, but not to know how to produce things. See, all this we are we are we are saying and the only possible and only possible if we change our education system to those ones who train us know how to produce things. Yeah, people say Africa is rich, actually indeed Africa is rich, and also second Africa well, because when you have a resource and you don't know how to export your resource, then you're not rich. Because just like uh, someone is having a local hub in his home, home state, but now someone else is the one who knows how to produce his local hub and transform his income, that's what it was used. So this person having the local hub actually not the owner. So what we should do, now we are talking about free trade, what we do within ourselves. 
man, the way God we are going to use, I'll be surprised from outside. So, what, just because we don't know what to clean the way God ever said the factories are being operated by the people outside. First, we just know how to use those in the factory, we don't know how they are produced. So, the only thing is, if we can work in hand in hand with the government, so that they can take the efficiency into someone saying us who can produce things on our own, then we can, we can start manufacturing our own product. But we just think in the equation system, my dear friends, nothing can work. Thank you. Okay, thank you very much, Mike. That's one of the points. And um, this will bring us to the end of the session. I'm very happy and I'm very glad to have everyone the end of the session, especially my amazing panelist, Ellen. Um, thank you very much for the wonderful contributions and everyone that have spoken. We are really, you know, we are, we are, we are Africans and we want to see our continents um, becoming great. Uh, you know, we've reached um, the common ground and what is, it, what is that? We've reached the common ground that foreign aid is not inherently what Africa needs to, to flourish or to survive. Instead, Africa can swift into the uh, way of, uh, you know, widening its free trade with its neighboring countries, making sure goods and services flow freely within the continent. And when we do that, we are going to have a better continent. Thank you very much. And once again, I'm glad to have you all in the session today. Bye. Bye, everyone. All right. Good night, guys. Thank you for being here with us tonight. And don't forget, we will be sending the podcast link to you so that for you to listen in on it. And uh, this is brought to you by so many organizations. Number one, Face, Face of Liberty International, Tinder Network in Kampala, Aled in Uganda, we have the Chita Institute in Nigeria, Women for Liberty Africa, and in all lot of them, we have Solis in South Sudan, Biko Foundation in Tanzania, uh, sorry, in Uganda, and also Liberty Spark in Tanzania. So we hope to see you next week. Thank you for joining us this week. Uh, bye for now and good night from Nigeria.